Shankly Kids. I heard a Hello and welcome to the Cop Table Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Phillips. Alongside me tonight is our co-host, Peter Collis. How are you feeling tonight, Pete? Yeah, I'm good, mate. How are you? Not too bad at all. We've got a little visitor with us tonight as well, Layla. So you, you might hear her in the background at a point during this podcast. Hopefully not for too long. She may be going to bed shortly. Okay, <laughs> so on tonight's podcast, we are previewing the Sunderland against Liverpool fixture at Anfield this Saturday. On tonight's show, we have Prentice. He is a 19-year-old Sunderland fan based in Norfolk, making his second appearance on the cop table. So very warm welcome to the show once again, Prentice. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. And on the Liverpool side of things, we have Craig Hegarty. Craig is a 24-year-old Liverpool fan. Craig also is a contributor to the World Football Index podcast and also making his second appearance on the cop table. So very warm welcome to the show to yourself, Craig. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Pete. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad at all. Thank you very much. And uh, just before we start, yeah, it's uh, the first podcast that's going to be sponsored by Charlie's Chance. We are creating awareness for for the lads over there who's doing a, a great cause. It's of no cost at all to Charlie's Chance. We're just raising awareness for, for the project and everyone involved in that. Over to yourself first, Craig. Taking into consideration with uh, players coming back from, from all over the world, really, and coming into a difficult fixture away at Southampton, what, what did you make of the performance on Saturday? The performance itself, I thought, was fine. You know, it was good. We played well. We dominated the match. Um, I think Coutinho looked tired, but at the same time, you know, he was still dangerous. He was still always available for a pass he was still always looking to drive and cut open the Southampton defence but it's it's going to be the way teams play now they're just going to set up against us to stop us playing you know you see the football Southampton play on a weekly basis and it's nice attractive flowing football but against us they had no intentions of attacking they had no intentions of counter-attacking they just sat in and they just tried to frustrate us and it worked you know but saying that you know go away to Southampton and be frustrated at the fact that we only got a point that's a sign of progress for me. You know, Jurgen Klopp said when he came in, he'll change this from doubters to believers. And, you know, you can see the frustrations. You can see the overreactions on Twitter with people. And it's really it's really good to see the fact that we're getting frustrated at these types of results. But hopefully, you know, they'll be few and far between. But at the same time, the thing that impressed me most was probably keeping the clean sheet. You know, the defence didn't have much to do, but they concentrated the whole game. You know, they kept that concentration. They kept tight. And on the odd occasion where Southampton did go forward, you've seen the boys pressing well and hunting down in packs of three or four and winning the ball back. So to me, it's not of great concern, the fact that we, we drew nil-nil. It's essentially two points dropped, but I think in the long run, you know, in the swings and roundabouts of the season, I think it might turn out to be a point gained. Yeah, and like you say, it, it was a, a game that Liverpool dominated really on the uh, the attacking side of things, wasn't it? And from a defensive point of view, we never had that much to do, really. But what we did have to do, they did well. And I thought Matip yeah. had an excellent game and he yeah, led he from did. the back, really. And what what was your, your thoughts on his performance as well? Pete, I thought he thought he was brilliant. I thought he's been brilliant since he's come in. You know, he's he's neutralised the majority of strikers he's come up against. But it's it's a, he has this common presence about him. You know, last season, whenever the likes of Skirtle would have got the ball or even Lovren in, in beside Skirtle or even Sacco, you didn't really know what they were going to do. You sort of panicked a bit. But when you've got Matip in there, 
he brings a whole calmness to the entire backline, and I think that just speaks volumes, you know, for his own ability and how he affects the team as a whole because the ability to get the ball down and be calm and composed under pressure and make a good pass out of the back or carry the ball out of the back was something we haven't had as Liverpool fans since probably Dan Agger was in his heyday. So it's really good to see. And I think he was brilliant against Southampton and he's only going to go from strength to strength. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Craig. OK, Pete, do you want to head over to Prentice? Yeah, Prentice. Um, after your last two victories in the Premier League, do you think David Moyes and Sunderland have turned the corner? No. <laughs> um... <laughs> Trust me, I've seen it all before. Managers like, oh, you know, turn the corner. I mean, it's not we've got beat Chelsea or anything. We beat Hull and Bournemouth. I mean, fair enough. I mean, they are relegation rivals at the minute, but I don't know. It's too early to say. I mean, we'll probably get stuffed a few this week, but I just can't. I'm quite negative and I can't see it at all. Then again, Can last you... time I spoke, last time I spoke, I said we'll we'll lose and go down. So I mean, can you see? Um... One of the things I spoke about the other night with, with James from, from the Roka report, he, he said basically the big difference in the last two performances for Sunderland has just been the introduction of one fella, and that's Victor and Achibi. What's the What difference has he made in your opinion, Prentice? I really thought he'd be another failure um, because of his tweet that he tweeted out the weeks beforehand. Um, I thought, here we go, another typical signing. Um, but I've been impressed, actually. He's... We need the foe can't do it by himself. He needs somebody. He does need someone like Vic Janski to compliment him. He needs somebody big to knock down the defend, knock past the defenders to pass it to the foe. Will that keep us up? I don't think so. But yeah, I have seen, seen a slight improvement. Excellent stuff. Okay then, Pete. Yeah, um, over to you, Craig. Uh, with the news today, Stephen Gerrard retiring from professional football. Can you see him coming back to Liverpool with a role at the club coaching? Absolutely, one hundred percent, and. I'm quite outspoken about this on Twitter, about ex-players being fast-tracked into coaching and being fast-tracked into high-profile jobs, and I've sort of stayed quiet on this one, not through bias towards Stevie Gerrard, but just to wait and see how it developed, because you've seen the likes of Henri being handed the Belgium job, or always talking to Ryan Giggs getting this job or that job, but I think Stevie's doing the right thing, you know, he had the MK Johns job offer and he turned it down, and I think... You know, there was speculation before and there was a lot of chat about him coming back to the club and I think it'll be a really good move by the club because he's Liverpool through and through. But he'll not come back with this ego status. He'll come back and he'll start where, you know, coaches should start and that's with youth teams and they should be yeah. producing players and working with players. And Stevie knows what it's like to come through the academy at Anfield and with Liverpool. So, you know, who better as a role model to lead the young players through? And I think it'll be a perfect appointment. I think it will happen. But I can see him coming in sort of the curb bait in, in general. You know, I, I don't know if they'll give him a specific role under 16s manager, under 18s manager, whatever. I think he'll come in in more of just a general coach role and he'll go in and he'll learn the ropes. And, you know, you'd be lying if it wasn't every Liverpool fan's dream to say in 10 years' time when Jurgen Klopp hopefully leaves Liverpool with a great legacy that Steven Gerrard takes the job with Carragher as his assistant. You know, that's every Liverpool fan's dream. And, you know, but he's going about it the right way, coming in back to Liverpool and starting basically at the ground and working his way up. Yeah, so, it's nice. It's nice to see him doing it the proper way, isn't it? Yeah, not it is. Doing, it is. Not doing it how other ex-players have gone straight into a big job six months later. They're out of work, and you yeah, see well, them on telly. This is it. Your first, your first job after after retirement. Is, it's so so important because if you mess that up, you know that's your reputation. Because your reputation as a player only goes so far, and every yeah. player and every sort of chairman thinks well, he might be the next Guardiola. You know, Guardiola stepped into Barcelona's team 
and he changed it all. But that, Guardiola spent most of his playing career researching coaches, and he worked under Cruyff. He spent a few years in Mexico learning from managers. You know, they're the things that go unseen. He didn't just get the job handed to him. He started at the B team, and he worked his way up, and he proved himself, and that's the way to do it. And I think that's hopefully what's going to happen with Stevie here. Yeah, from what I've heard of is that he's going to be offered a role alongside Alex Singlethorpe. Yeah, you know, something like that would be perfect for him. Casting his finger over the academy, because there's no one there's no one more perfectly suited than Gerard to have a big yep. input on the academy with coming yep. through with himself and being a, a world-class player, a local lad, and I think he knows what the club wants, what the fans want. And he knows what it takes as well, yeah. those players. Exactly, so I think, I think it'll be a great, uh, a great move, bringing Gerard back myself and giving yep. him that role. Yeah, just um, I'd like to add to that. What about ten minutes before the the podcast came on, I, I got a call off Radio City to speak about Gerard, and I mentioned to Gary Gillespie and Graham Sharp about Gerard coming back into the club in, in some capacity, and they they seem to think that it was um, well. Graham Sharp said it's an awkward situation for for Klopp and Liverpool, and where does he fit in type of thing. And Gary Gillespie was of the opinion of. Gerard should go away to another club, possibly even abroad, to to learn his trade and then and come back into Liverpool at some stage. Where I didn't agree with that. I said the best thing is Gerard for to come back to Liverpool now, learn his yeah. trade at the academy, or or, or even on the Jurgen Klopp in some some capacity at Melwood. Maybe they can create some sort of position because his knowledge and experience is second to none, and it's yeah. it's what Liverpool fans would want, and it's it's I'm sure it's what Steven Gerrard would want as well. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that because I think. One, Graham Sharp saying that what what couldn't Everton player could retire and take a role at the club, not one of them, because none of them are big enough to do it. So it's fine for Graham Sharp to say that. <laughs> and then Gary Gillespie saying it. Stephen Gerrard, if it was Brendan Rodgers in charge now, you'd be worried because he'd cast a shadow over Rodgers. Exactly. But with Jürgen Klopp, Jürgen Klopp won't allow that. Jürgen Klopp's bigger than any player at our side. And we all know that now as fans. If any... If any player rocks the boat, look at Sarko, gone. Yeah, you don't get a second chance. I mean, I, I, Klopp knows what he's doing, and Klopp. I think Jurgen Klopp will be looking to. He's got a plan with Liverpool. Klopp. He signed the deal, and Jurgen Klopp's not not going to be at us forever. But I think he likes to lay a foundation at the club that he's currently in charge of, so that when he leaves or moves on, it's not it's not the end of that club. He's yep. basically got a foundation to carry on yep. and work on, and I think. He'll, he'll look at someone like Steven Gerrard, who he knows. Gerrard's noted himself saying he's paid attention to all his past managers and took notes on them of how yeah. he's managed, what yeah. he's done right, what he's done wrong. <laughs> and Klopp will know that with Gerrard. And it wouldn't surprise me if Gerrard's gone to him. And everyone knows, he said to himself, Gerrard, he'd love to manage Liverpool one day. What, yeah. Is there a better manager to learn off than, than Jürgen Klopp? No. So yeah. it's perfect to me. Bring Gerrard back. Let him work in the academy for a few years and then introduce him to the first team with players that maybe he's brought out of the academy. Yeah, seventeen, eighteen year olds, and Gerard can step into the first team, work with them, have an input that way, bring him, bring him onto the bench. Yeah, and saying six, seven, eight years time when it's time for Jurgen Klopp when he says I want to retire now when he's sixty, then Stephen Gerrard can step up and take the reins, and he's learned to trade, hasn't he? He's, he? he's had a good apprenticeship, so I think <laughs> with, I think with them saying that, it, it's it's no good Stephen Gerrard going elsewhere because Gary Gillespie can say yeah Stephen Gerrard could go abroad. And as we said, then if Gerard takes a job abroad, does a Gary Neville six months sacked? Exactly. It kills his career. No, no one will want to touch Gerard. So I think the best thing he, he wants to do it the best way. That's why he never took the MK Don's job because yep. you're not you're not going to do a good job there, are you? The reason yep. why Carl Robinson went is because he was getting no funds. 
Exactly. And Pete, you said something there just, you're you're an electrician by trade, aren't you? That's your job? Yeah, I am, yeah. 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 So did you serve an apprenticeship? Yeah, of course I did, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, in my opinion, I, I would view football coaching somewhere, something like that, you know, something like learning a trade. You don't learn a trade and just because maybe you know how to wire a plug or you know how to do this, you get a job straight away. You know, you have yeah, to bide your time. You have to start at the bottom. And I think football coaching should be something, something similar because just because you were a good player doesn't automatically give you a God-given right to become a good manager. You know, you need to earn that. And, you know, I can see people suggesting that he should go abroad. But why? Why would he go abroad and take a first-team job when he's not ready for it? He knows himself, and I think that sort of speaks volumes to Stevie's character. You know, he doesn't have the ego of somebody who thinks, I was a good player, so I'm automatically entitled to this. You know, he doesn't have this self-entitlement about him. And Personally, I think I'm, on, um, I'm glad I didn't go to McDonald's because they're such a club I hate. Like, they're not, they've got no history. The way they're formed is really, really bad. I'm really glad if he finds a coach in the role, be somewhere like Liverpool, because that's where he grew up, and I think... He's better than that. If that makes sense, if that makes sense at yeah. all, no, I definitely. Do. And another thing from today's press conference, Jurgen Klopp, he, he seemed quite, um, he seemed quite irked by by the questions regarding Steven Gerrard, and he was he was more or less saying, "Look, Steven Gerrard, top player, world class player, what have you." But if he's going into the coaching role, he's starting as if. He was that new player again. He's new to that yep. that role, and he's got to learn from from the bottom. But basically, and and, and like you just said, Craig, learn his trade. Yep. Also, did you notice Klopp today? I don't know if it's down to his English or if he did slip up, but he did say, "When we're ready to announce something, you'll yeah, know." Seems- and I thought they've definitely been talking, haven't they? Gerard was. Everyone knows Gerard was at Melwood before the United game. Yeah. So they've definitely been talking. They've spoke about it, but also. When when people say Gerard should go abroad, Stephen Gerard's a home bird. Exactly. Gerard hated his time in America. You could see he couldn't wait to come home. You could yeah. see that. Every opportunity he had, he was back in Liverpool, wasn't he? Stephen Gerard isn't the type of lad. No no offense to him. He can't he can't speak a foreign language. Yeah. He's he's, he's got a he's got a wife and kids. He's still got all his hours. He's he's having another home built in Liverpool. So He's having another kid too, isn't he? Yeah, he's having another kid as well. So I doubt that Stephen Gerrard would want to move abroad. He wants to be with his family, with his friends. He wants to be back at Liverpool. You can see by his interview and his interview and his statement that he released, all it was about was Liverpool, wasn't it? And I think, to me, I think that he'll definitely get a role at the club. And that's what he wants. And I think it's what Klopp wants as well. Most definitely. Okay, yeah. yeah. Cheers, lads. Right, okay. Back over to yourself then, Prentice. Looking forward to, to the game on Saturday. The guy, Gia Bali, is going to be suspended for for the fixture. How much of a miss is he, is he going to be for your for your side? No, actually, I don't trust Coney at all. But it would be nice to be, if O'Shea's back, I wouldn't mind having him. Because I think Diabolchi's problem is he's not experienced enough. And I think we do need that instead of quality. Because like Janazai. Janazai is a decent player, but he hasn't got any fight in him. He'll bottle it as soon as it gets tough. And at the minute, we need experience. We need as much as we can. He can have a chance of stopping up. So, I mean, he was he improved against Bournemouth and Hull, but apart from that, he's been a bit of a disaster, so I'm not really saying too much on that. On that. No, I was going to say, can you see Moyes going for the game on Saturday, or can you see him doing what he's no, doing? I, no, I can't. I can't say that at all. No. I mean, he could do that. It could be it could be really brave and stupid at the same time, and go for the win. You would get beat 7 well. Yeah, um, although we could beat 7-0, whatever, whatever um, we do. <laughs> I don't know, actually. I have no idea what is in it. 
do. I mean, I'll be at, I'll be at work, so I mean, I can't even watch the game. <laughs> so I just have to hope and wish really, really, really hard that we'll remain competent for all the match. Well, last season, um, Liverpool was 2-0 up, wasn't we, in that game? I think it's the game when they, they staged the walkout. Is that right, Pete? Yeah, yeah yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. and um, they came back and, and, and drew the game two apiece. So, obviously, they, they've got they've got experience of, of coming away from Anfield with with a mm. point. And then, do you think that's going to be David Moyes' his aim Saturday? Do you think that's what the way he's going to set up his team like a lot of other teams have done at Anfield? I would hope so. But, I mean, I just can't sit with his team. I really can't have Sam. I'm not saying Sam's a better manager than Moyes at all. But with Sam, I could trust him to do that. Like, I mean, we played awful. I watched half that match and went out when it was 2-0 down. We played awful. I don't know how we kind of came back to Drew True too. But with this team, I can't. We haven't got, we haven't got, um, Villa, we haven't got Katama, we haven't got any of those players that, even Adam Johnson, even him, he, he brought something to that game. And we haven't got any of those players at all. We've got Defoe, we've got Watmore, and Shibby. That's the only players up front. And the midfield is really bad as well. So I, I can't see it happening. Right then, Craig, after um, Saturday's game, how impressed were you with Virgil van Dijk? And can you see Liverpool going for him in the future? Virgil van Dijk's a good player. He's a very, very good centre-half. Can I see Liverpool going for him? No. I, I, I don't see... I don't see a reason why they have the goal for him right now. Um, you know, Joe Gomez is just coming back. He's going to start to get some minutes for the under-23s. He's playing quite well. He played 90 minutes last night against Burnley. Van Dijk's a good player, but the problem is now he's going to cost upwards of £30 million. You know, Southampton aren't going to let him go cheap. You know, he's proved himself to be one of the top defenders in the league, and he, he genuinely is. You know, you look at the best centre-halves in the league, and when I look, think of the best centre-halves, I think of Toby Alderweireld, you know, at, at Spurs, and... I think we missed the boat with him whenever he left Atletico Madrid. Sure, he spent a loan season on Southampton, was brilliant. And Spurs snapped him up relatively cheap. And Van Dijk, sort of a similar story. You know, Southampton snapped him up cheaply again from Celtic. You know, he, he done very well in the Scottish League. Again, the Scottish League's kind of like the most pointless league in Europe. But again, players seem to come out of it and they can do well. Virgil van Dijk is a good player. I can't see us going for him simply for the fact that He's going to be so, so overpriced. And again, we have Joe Gomez coming through. Clavan's there at the minute. Matip's playing well. Lovren is doing all right beside Matip. So yeah. I, I don't see the value in going and spending 35, 40 million on a centre half when there's potential already there. And at the same time, Klopp, Klopp will look elsewhere, in my opinion. You know, he might sign him, but I don't, I can't see it. I can't see the value in it. You know, when you can go and sign the likes of Jonathan Tao or Nicholas Sula from the Bundesliga who are going to cost half the price and who then will have time to bet in. Because if you sign Van Dijk now, he's going to want to play now. You know, Lovren's going to want to play now. Matip's going to want to play now. So you're going to have to piss somebody off. So I don't see the the value in it at the minute. You know, Lucas has proved when he's come in the centre-half, he can cover. Clavan's there, he can play. Joe Gomez, like I said, is coming back. I don't see the current urgency for it a central defender to be honest can you see Klopp dipping into the transfer market in January with players like Sadio Mane going to the African Nations or do you think he'll he's happy with the squad he's got and he'll persist with it the the January market's a tough one you know you very rarely strike luck we'll send that you know we signed Coutinho what Sturridge and Suarez and January market but at the same time you know Mane's only going to be away for a month or you know maybe six weeks yes that is a long time to be without him but you can't really sign somebody on a permanent deal 
just to cover somebody for six weeks. You know, it's up to the other players, the likes of Shea Yojo coming back into fitness. It's up to them to step up to the plate and, you know, play well. But there's no reason why Sturridge couldn't come into that starting eleven, you know, and play in the Mane role out in the left or out in the right, whatever he wants to play. But I can't I can't see him dipping in, honestly. I don't I don't see why he would. I can see him signing the left back Kolasnich. He's gonna go on a free transfer, a Bosman yeah. similar to Matip. I can see him signing him on a pre-contract in January, you know, the left back. So I think that could be one deal to watch out for. But I really don't know, mate. He, he might go for somebody like Andy Cork, who is available in January now, and one, you know, he's a young player who will have to bide his time and will potentially turn out to be a superstar. But I can't see him going and spending 30, 40 million on somebody unless somebody that he wants becomes available. And like I said, the January transfer window, it just isn't the time for that. Yeah, I was going to say that I think the only way he'll dip into that market is if a player that he really wants yep. will become available, like you said. And I think maybe something like a cottage or there's been rooms of Julian Brandt, I think. Yeah. For me, we'll sign Julian Brandt to replace Coutinho. We all know Coutinho's not going to be here forever. And I think Klopp's one of them managers. He will only sell a player if he, if, he, if the replacement is there already. He yeah. won't sell someone and then yeah. have to dip into the market to find them. See, Klopp, Klopp wants players... And if he wants something, he'll go and get it. You know, you've seen him yeah. talk about Sadio Mane, that he wanted to sign him in his Dortmund days and he missed out on him. And he said to himself, the next time I get a chance, I'm going to sign him. So what happens is first proper transfer window at Liverpool, Sadio Mane, straight in. You know, so he knows what he wants. You know, it's not just a case of the scouts recommending this, it's the transfer committee saying that. Klopp knows what he wants. He knows what he wants for his team and to play his way. So, you know, it's all well and good saying, we'll sign this player, we'll sign that player. But look at the summer, everybody was gunning for Mario Goethe to come to Liverpool. Now, where would Mario Goethe fit into our team now? You know, exactly. he's not that quick. He's not a hell of a presser off the ball. Doesn't work that hard. You know, where so, is he going to fit in? So, Mane, you know, was a stroke of genius, essentially. There was a lot of doubts. I'll be honest, I didn't. I have my doubts about him. But, you know, he's turned out to be a great signing. And I think that kind of sums up Klopp, because he knows what he wants and he'll go after it. So whether yeah. or not the January transfer market is the right time to do that, I don't know. But I, yeah, like I said, I can see him possibly dipping in the, the push for a pre-contract for Kolasnitz to the left-back. Yeah, did anyone see the uh, Joel Matip quote the other day from the interview he done? He touched on Klopp, didn't he, when he said when he was playing in Germany, Klopp spoke to him a few times about going to Dortmund. Yeah. And he said, didn't he, because of course Dortmund's biggest rivals are Schalke, the rivalries like, it's intense, they ate each other. And he said the only reason, the only thing that stopped him from going to Dortmund was because of the rivalry. He didn't want to yeah. do it and be known as a traitor. And as you said then, with Mane, when he missed out, well, he, when he didn't get him first time round, he wouldn't let that opportunity slip second time round. And yeah. If he wants a player, he will get him. Because as soon as he comes to Liverpool, the first thing he done was get Joel Matip on a pre-contract, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I, I can... He knows, he knows the players he tries to sign, do you know what I mean? He doesn't just yeah. think, oh, I like the look of him. He, he knows the player, he knows what they're like, he gets a feel for them before he signs them. And, you know, that that's important because you can't just go sign them. You know, real life's not like football manager, we just go and put 11 world-class players together and hope they gel. You know, you have to find players that fit the change room as yeah. much as fit the starting 11 because the last thing you want is a player with a big ego coming in and disrupting the change room. So I think Klopp's got his transfer system down to a T. Um, I don't think he cares about the club that he signs him from. I don't think he cares about where they're from. You know, we've seen links to FC Rostov, Sardar Azum, who actually scored last night against Bayern Munich in the Champions League. Um, 
I can see us going for him. Klopp, he seems like a Klopp type player. You know, I've watched Rostov a couple of times, and he's a pacey, he's a pacey lad, and he knows where the goal is. So to me, he reminds me of somebody in the Lewandowski mold who Klopp wants to take in and kind of mold into his own player. I think that'll be you know something to watch out for. But again, I can't see any major signings in January. Excellent, cheers. And um, just going back to the to the two lads you mentioned earlier, Jonathan Tarr and, and Nicholas Sewell. To be honest, mm-hmm. I've not seen much of them at all. To be honest, what's your thoughts on them? Have you have you seen them for yourself, Craig? Watch quite a lot of Bundesliga just because I think it's a good league. But Jonathan Tarr is if you've seen him, you wouldn't think he's a footballer because he's built like a fridge. You know, he's huge. But he's really quick across the ground. He's he's a good player. He's strong. He's good in the air. He's very, very physical. He's the type of player you think would mix well in the Premier League. But again, he's young and he's prone to a mistake. You know, that's how they learn. And again, Nicolas Sula, he's quite similar. He's not as big. He's not as bulky as uh, as Jonathan Ty. They're probably about the same height. But they're both kind of ball-playing centre-halves. They both like to have the ball and they both like to build an attack from the back. But Sula, again, you know, he's young. He made a mistake on Saturday with Hoffenheim. He was playing out of the back and he passed it straight to the Philip Kostic, the Hamburg. He passed it straight to his feet and he ran in and they scored from it. So, you know, there's things to learn for those players. But when you have a settled back two, I don't think it's as much of an issue, you know, signing a younger centre-half because they're not going to play every week, but they're going to train every day and they're going to learn. Whereas if you sign somebody... Like Van Dyke, he's going to want to play straight away. And if he doesn't, he's going to be pissed off. And if you bring him straight in and drop Lovren or Matip, you know, one of them is going to be pissed off. So I think it's more important to sign somebody for the future who is capable of stepping in when needed, but knows and understands that they're not going to get 90 minutes every single week. You know, because like I said, Clavan's there, who's played really well in centre-half. Lucas has filled in. So there's essentially four centre-backs that we have right now. Yes, Clavan and Lucas aren't first starters but at the same time they're good players to fill in if anything happens and they have done that this season and they'll continue to do that which what makes me think that we'll not be dipping in for any superstar centre half come January Moving back over to yourself Prentice can you see David Moyes he's had a he's had a couple of victories like we spoke about in, in the past couple of games but in long term talking long term do you see him having the ability to steer Sunderland to to a clear position away from the relegation after Christmas? I don't at all. Again, it's just, it's not that I don't like him. And I want him to do well. I really want him to do well. I just can't say it. We've got, we haven't got the squad. It's not as the squad we've got. The only, the only way I could see us stopping that is if we sell to buy. We haven't got any money until the club is broke. When I mean broke, I mean we, we can't afford, basically if we go down, we're screwed. So basically if we're going to get players in we have to get rid of got rid of players like Kone or Pickford to make money he's had an excellent start to the season and he's he's been getting a lot of plaudits hasn't he Jordan Pickford in, oh, in between the sticks a, one of the few players apart from maybe the phone and what more I would t- I still respect that cl- that club that he's honest he's young and that did you see that save he did last week that when he flicked it down in, in the corner headed it in he, he got down to the bottom of the goal and flicked it back up again double of the double save it was really really good if you've got time to watch it watch it it's one of my favorite saves i've seen and we're talking like a la gordon bank style <laughs> kind of kind of it's actually really good i mean it was not as good as bournemouth save he did a couple of weeks back but it, it was a really good save 
But yeah, I can't see us stopping up this season. I said it last season, and I probably said it the season before that. I just can't see us stopping up. Even even if we got gone, even if Big Sam came back, we the squad is too weak. If we stop up, I'll hold my hand up and say, you know, well done, we stopped up, brilliant. But I'm just sick of it. I'm really sick of this every year. So it's kind of like I'm fed up now. So I'm ex- since that Palace game when we collapsed, I've just kind of expecting relegation since like that because I just don't have any faith in the players at all. I think I think Sunderland's problem is that they, d- they don't have an identity. You know, they don't have a way of playing that they stick to. You know, they went through managers like nobody's business and it's just, it's not good practice. And I think they need to find a way to play and a system to play. You know, they have players there who are okay players. They're not great. But I mean, Leicester won the league last season with okay players. So, sure. you know, I mean, it's about finding a system. You know, if they, go to, they go to Anfield on Saturday here. Mm-hmm. Their only way to get a result is to stay compact. You know, sit there with a bank of, two banks of four, if he plays 4-4-2 four, four, or 4-5-1, four, whatever. But he needs to sit in mm-hmm. two banks and frustrate Liverpool. You know, if every player does their job defensively, there's no reason why Sunderland can't get results and grind out results, you know. What I completely agree with you. I completely not, agree with you, didn't it, D? Because um, we haven't had that in a long time. Kick, pinging it forward, getting a corner out of it, and Lamine Coney stepping up in the 85th minute and knocking it in. You know, and winning is, one. You would take that thing, as a Sterling fan? Oh, I'll take that. But the thing is, Coney's been terrible this season. His attitude's been appalling. I can't see him scoring. Uh, I want himself any favours. Like, the, what, there were 17 million bid for him in the summer. You know, Sunderland... I know, we should, we, we should have gone for him. for that. I agree, because his attitude has been terrible this season. It's complete. When we, like, smashed Everton 3-0 or beat Chelsea the week before, he was outstanding. But since he's got his new contract, he's been absolutely terrible. And, I mean, we don't need players like that. Yeah, seems to be um, seems to be resting on his laurels. But on a, on a positive note for yourself, Prentice and the Sunderland um, team, the lad you mentioned before, Duncan Watmore, to me, he seems like... Like a player who stands in, who stands out. Sorry, week in, week week out for for Sunderland. He looks he looks raw, but he, he's very mm-hmm. direct, isn't he? He's got the pace. He scored a great goal for the England great. under twenty ones, and he just looks like a a bit of a rough diamond, really, a, a bit rough around the edges. But if you like, I said to the lads on the Roker report, if you if you give him a manager who can polish him up, and I think he he can become a, a top striker in the Premier League, in my opinion, even though he's playing out wide at the moment. I completely agree. I've been personal at the minute. As soon as Barini's fit, I'd I'd swap Barini for Watmore, and I'd I'd have Watmore as an impact sub. I think he's better that way. But I think on his own at the minute, I think he's doing really well. He's covering like left back, I think it is. So if Van Aert goes out a wall, we've got Watmore to cover him, and I think it's good. He's likable as well. I think it does help with players. If they're not likable at all, it's a lot harder to like them. Like Stephen Fletcher, I don't like him at all. He may he may be good. But he's, I don't like him to his attitude. His attitude for us is really bad. But Watmore, even though he may not be the best player we've had, his attitude towards work and towards life, it seems, is spot on. Yeah, I totally agree. And the lad Van Arholt that you mentioned, I know mm-hmm. he, he gets he gets up a, a lot towards the top end of the pitch, doesn't he? Does he tend to leave quite a lot of space in behind once yes, he gets he going? Yeah. Yes, he definitely does, yeah. Yeah, so that's um, that's something that possibly Jurgen Klopp and, and Sadio Mane, especially on that side, will will look to exploit on on Saturday. Trust me, they'll exploit it a, a lot because he just does it every time. He just he's too stupid, or he's ignorant, 
to completely ignore that left position completely open. So you'd have to get somebody to cover him, like what more somebody to cover him, and by then it's too late. He's a he's a bit like a, a lad we have Alberto Moreno. He he's very good going forward, but on a defensive yeah, point of view, definitely. he's there's a lot to be desired in his performances in in that position. Yes, agreed. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Okay. Just uh, another quick one before we head over to the quiz part of the show for yourself, Craig. Mm. Liverpool's, I don't know whether Adam Lallana is going to be fit for the game on Saturday. I don't think he trained today looking at the, the pictures in, on the Liverpool Echo website. But if he if he is fit, do you see him coming back into the starting lineup? And if so, who's he going to replace? Obviously, it's going to be either Emre Chan or Jeannie Wijnaldum. What do you think? I think if he comes back in, he'll replace he'll replace Wijnaldum. But I, I I think this game's come too early for him. I think with no disrespect to Sunderland, and if we play the way we play, he doesn't need to play. You know, it's a game that he should be able to afford to miss, and the players available should be able to cope without him. But I think I think last week at Southampton, it just showed that we do miss him. You know, especially away from home because he links the midfield to the attack so well. And it's it's his footwork and his, his quick thinking on the ball that really links it really really effectively. And I think we missed that. But again, against Sunderland, it shouldn't come to that because there should be, the players available should be good enough to get a result. And I think when Yaldum will probably stay, I can I can sort of see Klopp nearly sticking with the same eleven. I know he hasn't done that in forty odd games, but I think I can see him sticking with the same eleven on Saturday. I don't really see any reason to change it up unless anything happens between now and the weekend. But, I mean, the back four picks itself again in the midfield. I think Wijnaldum will stay. I don't think Lallana will be fit enough to start the match. He might sit in the bench, but I don't think he'll be fit enough to start. So I can see him sort of sticking with the same team that we have at the minute. Yeah, obviously Daniel Sturridge is, is probably going to likely to to take his place on that bench again. But in terms of his substitution on Saturday versus Southampton, he, he seems to come on about, I think it was about 70 minutes. It's not a, a criticism of Jürgen Klopp as a whole, but was was it too late of a an impact to bring him on? Should he have been coming on a little bit earlier, do you think? I've seen a lot of people talking about this and criticising Klopp for not making the changes earlier. You know, Southampton weren't attacking, so there was no reason why he couldn't sacrifice a midfielder. But, you know, football's not like that. You can't just take off a player with 20 minutes, half an hour to go, you know, take off a defensive player and stick a player on, especially not away from home. You know, it doesn't always work like that. Yes, sometimes it does. But nine times out of ten, that'll go wrong. So... Yes, he could have come on earlier, and yes, he might have scored, but when he came on, he looked sharp, he done quite well, he still had chances, you know, bringing Sturridge on 20 minutes earlier wouldn't have constituted for the Firmino miss, you know, Firmino still should have scored too on Saturday, Klein should have scored with a header, so I don't think bringing him on earlier would have changed any of that, to be honest, Sturridge looked good when he came on, maybe if he had had 10 minutes more, he might have had more of an impact, but it's easy in hindsight to say these things, if Klopp had made that change on the 60th minute, and took off Emery Chan and brought brought Sturridge on and Southampton would have went 1-1-0. You know, everybody would have been critical and said he shouldn't have taken him off then because we had control of the match. And I think that's one of the things that are important in a Premier League match. You need to have control. You need to have that ability to, to stay in control because most games, most teams will have sort of 10, 15 minute phase of pressure. And if you don't have the players in the pitch to cope with that, that's when you can see the goal. And that could have so easily happened on Saturday. And it impressed me that you know, the players that were on the pitch didn't lose focus and they didn't lose concentration. They were constantly attacking. What's to say if Emery Chan or Wijnaldum or whoever had been taken off for storage 
that Southampton would have went, wouldn't have went up the other end and scored and exploited the midfield. So it's easy in hindsight to say, yes, he should have come on earlier, and yes, he might have had a goal or he might have created more, but he didn't. So let's just move on from that, and hopefully when he comes on or he gets his chance on Saturday against Sunderland that he'll get a goal. Because I think that's what it's really affecting him at the minute that he hasn't had this Premier League goal and people are making so much. You know, they're making a mountain out of a molehill because he hasn't played that much in the Premier League. And everybody's saying, oh, he hasn't scored in the Premier League yet this season. Uh, and what? He's barely played in the Premier League this season. That's why he hasn't scored. If Sturridge gets chances, he scores goals. So, I mean, the ball's in his court. and It'll be completely down to his attitude and how he approaches the situation from here on in. But if I was in any sort of position apart Liverpool, I wouldn't even be entertaining bids for him at the minute. No, most definitely not. And like you say, in terms of his substitution, you don't know whether Southampton was was waiting for Klopp to make that change to then exactly. counteract that with a with a substitution of their own. To and maybe that's what was in the back of Klopp's mind. If, if he does sacrifice a defender or another midfielder and puts another striker on there, was is that what Sunderland uh, Southampton was waiting for to then? to then, like I say, counteract that that substitution. So, yeah, all in all, like you say, who knows what would have happened if he would have come on earlier. It's 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 in the past now, so um, we move on and we go to the game on Saturday. Right, OK then, lads. Going to head over to the quiz part of the show. Both of you have been on before, and I don't know if you took part in it, one of the quizzes before, Craig? Yes, I did. Yeah, spot on. And you did you as well, Prentice? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah okie doke. Good stuff. Right, so you know how it works. Five questions each. Liverpool home side on Saturday, so Craig's going to get the chance for the first question. Right, Craig. Last season, who scored the most goals for Liverpool in the Premier League from Adam Lallana, Divock Origi or Danny Ings, just in the Premier League? Oh, Origi, Ings and Lallana. Oh, dear. Well, Ings didn't play very much, but he did have a good purple patch when he did play. And Lalana wasn't scoring much. I don't know. I'm going to say Lalana because he played slightly more than Origi. It's wrong. It's actually Divock Origi. Uh, he was he scored five, Lalana four. And yeah, you was right to say Ings, not, not so much. He got the two. So yeah, Origi was the correct answer there. Unlucky Craig. Prentice, your first mm-hmm. question. Who scored the most goals in the Premier League for Sunderland last season from Duncan Watmore, mm-hmm. Patrick Van Aholt or Walib Kazri? That would be Duncan Watmore's four goals, I think, last season. No, it's actually Van Aholt. He got the four. Really? Yeah, this is uh, the league, yeah. And uh, Watmore was three. Because I, I know he had like two chalked off, Van Aholt. Swansea and Aston Villa, his two goals were chalked off down to own goals but I didn't, I didn't know he had scored four, four goals that season OK second question for you Craig who received yep. the most yellow cards in the Premier League last season for Liverpool from Lucas Lever, Nathaniel Klein or Alberto Moreno um, so who Lucas Moreno and Klein did you say Lucas gets booked most games he plays so Lucas Klein or Moreno I'm going to go for Moreno. It was actually Lucas Lever. <laughs> Lucas was um, eight yellow cards, Klein six, and Moreno was, was the least, actually, with three, believe it or not. So no one's yet to get off the score sheet in the quiz this week, which is uh, which is very unusual. Right, OK yeah. then. 
Prentice. Your next question. Who had the most clean sheets for Sunderland last season from Vito Manone or Costel Pantilamon? Um, I'm going to go Costel Pantilamon. No, it was actually Vito Manone. All right. <laughs> he had four clean sheets, Manone, with Pantilamon. Just one behind with three. So we go on to our third question. Oh, and can, I'm not trying to rub salt into the wounds here, Prentice, but when I, I recorded with the Roker Report lad, he got five out of five, sorry. <laughs> okay, Craig, third question. The, these two goalkeepers only played eight games between them last season, but who had the most clean sheets out of Adam Bogdan and Danny Ward? Uh, was it Danny Ward? Unfortunately, it was Adam Bogdan. In fact, it was he only kept the one clean sheet, whereas he, he played more games than um, Danny Ward. Danny Ward only played one or two and didn't keep a clean sheet, but Bogdan kept one clean sheet. Okay, then. My head is throwing them in against Watford. Is that the one? Right, okay, then. Let's have a look at the, the fourth question for Prentice. Or... Sorry, it's the third question, isn't it? Who received the most yellow cards in the Premier League last season from Eunice Cabal, Jack Rodwell or Fabio Barini? The most yellow cards in the Premier League for Sunderland last season. I go Jack Rodwell. It was actually Fabio Barini. He was. I was going to go with Barini, but I thought Jack Rodwell. I'm pretty sure Jack Rodwell was suspended for one game, but then why? Barini had six yellow cards, Rodwell five, close behind, and Cabal with three. Next question for yourself, Craig. Similar lines uh, with the with the topic of player Adam Bogdan. Which international team does he represent? Um, Hungary. Correct answer. We have yes. one off the score sheet. Finally. Excellent stuff. Adam Bogdan represents Hungary. That's correct. Okay then, Prentice. This player does no longer play for Sunderland, as I found out the other day. His mm-hmm. name's Dame Endoye. What oh, right, team? international team does he represent please um um know this uh i'm gonna go nigeria it's actually senegal all right senegal yeah right okay then craig if you get this one right you get the chance to take the quiz because princess won't be able to catch you with your if you get it from which club did liverpool sign central defender ragnar klavan from oh shit um, boom, 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 boom. I'm going. It, it was Augsburg, wasn't it? It's the correct answer, yeah. yeah. FC Augsburg. <laughs> I had Augsburg or Mainz in my head, and I couldn't think. But <laughs> yeah, it Augsburg. was Carius who come from Mainz, weren't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've won the quiz book, Prentice. Your last question, anyway. Try and get yourself off mm-hmm. the uh, off the mark. From which yeah. club did Sunderland sign Lamine Kone from? It's nice, isn't it? Unfortunately, it was Lorient. Oh, that's it. Flipping out and bad. Oh, I should know that. <laughs> I should definitely know that. I remember, I remember being annoyed at them. For... Oh, for goodness sake, I should know that. <laughs> Not to worry, Prentice. Very, uh, very noble attempts anyway at the at the quiz, and very good to have you on the show once again. And. Yeah, yeah, just before we go, lads, what we're going to do now is just play a song by our unsigned band or we usually play an unsigned artist the song i'm gonna play for you tonight is a from a band from the liverpool area 
they classed themselves as a punk, a post-punk American-sounding band with a Tarantino-esque vibe. The lads have asked me to um, plug their gig on Friday night, tomorrow night, that is, the 25th of the 11th, 2016, where they are headlining the Zanzibar in Liverpool. And the song I'm going to play for you tonight is called Alone Together from Red Rum Club Band. Was alone together by the Red Rum Club. 
Okay, thanks very much, Prentice, and thanks very much, Craig, for joining us on the show tonight. Two fantastic guests, and uh, really appreciate your time, lads. No problem. Excellent stuff. Thanks very much, Craig. Okay, and that was the cop table preview of the Sunderland game at Anfield this Saturday. Completed. Thanks very much for everybody who's listening. And remember, we are now sponsored by Charlie's Chance. So any chance you get to retweet the stuff from, from the lads over there, it would be greatly appreciated. So thanks very much, everybody, for listening. And good night. to sing of the glory round the fields of Anfield of the glory round the fields of Anfield